Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How is long? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet for wiener. Oh, listen, Laverne, it's a shit feast. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome in. This is the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about barbecue and grilling-related topics every Tuesday. It's a live show from 9 to 11, but while we are doing this live show, I'm also recording at the very same time. We're streaming live to YouTube and Facebook. Those are being archived on the video side. I'm also throwing out an audio live stream, which you can get on TuneIn or Simplecast, or a number of other online radio stations. Just search for the BBQ Central Show. And then, of course, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Music, or Google Play, or whatever the hell it's called. Google is kind of redefining their whole podcast strategy and how they're going to be offering it on their phones, actually how you are able to search for it on their phones. I believe freshly instituted over the last two or three weeks, if you go... If you have an Android device, which by and large is dominating the smartphone market, but if you go into your Android device, pull up the Google Chrome web browser, and then type in the BBQ Central show, in its return, you should get individual episodes. In the return, you can hit play and listen to those episodes right there in the web browser. So they are really stepping up their support and their visibility of podcasting. It seems like it's crazy to say that we're still kind of in that infancy where still a lot of people don't know, or maybe they've heard a term, but they've really never listened to a podcast. They don't know what it is. Uh, As I've said on this show a handful of times here over the last few months, this is a show first and foremost. It's the barbecue central show. It's a live two hour airing Tuesday nights from nine to 11. Everything that you are hearing is happening live. It's not pre-recorded or taped or anything like that. This is free flowing from prep, off the top of my head, I'm doing all the legwork and the prep work and the show prep and the outlining and the guest booking and the hosting and all that stuff. This is live. However you're hearing this, at one point, originally, it was live. This is how it happened. Now, if you're a podcaster, like the guy that wrote the email in the first hour, he said, I live on the West Coast. I don't have time to sit around and watch you yuck it up for two hours on a Tuesday evening, which I totally get. And most of you totally get, too, because you're podcasting. You subscribe to the podcast. So everything that you hear on my show becomes a podcast after the fact because I'm recording it and then I allow you to consume it at your convenience after the fact. That's when it becomes the podcast. Now, there's other straight up podcasts that are not live. Actually, probably most of them aren't live. Sure, you're recording it live, but it's not in front of a studio audience. It's not like this where you're having guests and you're calling up people and you're doing production work and transitions and bumps and sweeps and all that other crap. That's a podcast, all pre-recorded stuff from start to finish. This is a show that becomes a podcast. Other shows are just podcasts. Clear as mud? Great. Glad I could help out. <laughs>
John Dawson from Patio Daddy weighing in uh, the subject line, Swordfish, the steak of the sea. Try it and thank me later. Also, talking about Chilean sea bass, also known by its original name, Patagonian toothfish. Chilean sea bass is made up marketing moniker. So if I go into the fishmonger and say, let me have the Patagonian toothfish, John, he'll know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Good. Every time I hear Chilean sea bass, I just think of Dumb and Dumber and kick his ass sea bass. Is that just me? <laughs> it's my favorite movie. That gives you my mental capacity breakdown right there. Still to come on the show tonight from Wichita Packing, Andrew Bloom, who, according to Meathead, knows his meat. So very excited to get introduced to Andrew and talk to him about what they're up to and their particular niche of the industry. I don't know if you. Visit my Facebook page often or my show Facebook page, but nearly 25 tons of smoked sausage recalled over plastic contamination. This coming out of Yoakum, Texas via YGN TV, a Texas company has recalled nearly 25 tons of smoked sausage products due to possible contamination with plastic. The USDA announced the recall by Eddie Packaging Company of Yoakum Friday was the date of the recall smoked sausage products ranging from two and a half to 30 pounds were processed April 5th with packaging dates of the 5th and 6th. They have products with the mark EST 4800 inside the USDA mark of inspection were shipped to California, Georgia, Illinois, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Texas. The problem was discovered when Eddie Packaging Company received complaints from a restaurant about white hard plastic found in some sausages during their slicing. No one was reported getting sick or hurt, so that's the good news. The recalled product should be discarded or returned to the show, uh, to the store where they were purchased to be safe. So if you missed that earlier, that's a lot of sausage going to a variety of uh, different areas. Also, I didn't know if you had seen this. This is from the New York Post. Restaurants are cooking your steak wrong on purpose. What? This one's uh, written by Steve Cuzo, I believe his name. I'm probably not pronouncing his name incorrectly, but uh, him and his friend Barbara gulped when the ribeye she cut into and her husband recently ordered at medium rare came to the table. Well underdone. The sear on the outside was great. Looked like a normal steak, but when we cut into it, it was practically raw. So we sent it back. It was refired to perfection and she said that she would go back to Wolfgang's but she won this your medium rare cut is getting rarer both in the sense of the word on both angles a few days after Wagner's experienced the author of this piece ordered a boneless ribeye medium rare at Del Frisco's Double Eagle Steakhouse in Midtown and what he got was it remotely medium rare ideal of the red center fading to pink around it but nearly purple hue known as blue rare both incidents reflected the new medium-rare confusion. While getting an underdone steak has certainly been a possibility for decades, what's really given the phenomenon traction is that the chefs under bottom-line pressure to reduce throwaways that occur when customers say the steak is too well done. An undercooked steak, on the other hand, can always be salvaged with a touch more fire. Most chefs regarded beef cooked to medium-rare with an internal temperature of 130 
off the grill and 135s after resting as the best way to bring out flavors and retain moisture and tender cuts such as ribeyes and top loins. Unlike rare, medium rare allows time for the outside to caramelize and develop a sear. It maintains the most flavor and keeps the juice in the meat, says Laurent Tundlin, the founder of BLT Steaks Chain, now a partner in Brazers, Ruhlman, and Lamico. At Porterhouse, New York, and Midtown, executive chefs and co-founder Michael Lamonico says more than 60% of his customers order medium-rare steaks. Yet the medium-rare ribeye rib that he had salt-spewing salt bear nursers was so red end-to-end, it resembled a bloody nose. Similar cuts that braved last week at STK in Midtown and Demonico's in Fitty were nearly as rare. So what are we learning here, folks? Let me tell you something. And there was a, a great point made in this article, which I'm going to stop reading. So, A, the cost of beef has gone up, right? A lot of places are using these high-end steak cuts. But what we noticed, if I can only find this quote, for crying out loud, ah, here it is. Adding to the issue is the fact that many chefs has dispensed with using meat thermometer and just go by feel. What? Look, pal, if I'm spending 65 or 75 or 99 or $135 on a steak, depending on what I'm getting, I mean, have you looked into a prime 30-plus dry-aged tomahawk? Those are into the $120, $130 per plate steaks. I don't want some schmuck behind the line who feels like he is too good to use a meat thermometer, that he's the professional and he's going to be able to do the old finger poke test. First of all, don't put your finger on my $130 steak tool. It's bad enough that I got to think that you're using a thermometer that I'm hoping you're cleaning when I know you're not cleaning your hands. And I'm sure you're not wearing gloves back there, even though in my mind I make myself feel very comfortable in the fact that you are wearing gloves. I'm sure you're not, but I lie to myself. Don't mess around with my $135 steak. Why not be the most impressive steakhouse ever and arm every steak cook on your line with three or four thermopens? 80 bucks a piece. Arm, load everybody out with $300 worth of instant read thermometers and cook that steak to the right internal temperature. Forget about sending 45 and 50 and 60% of your steak specs because you're purposely undercooking them because you know if you go over, it's getting tossed. So now instead, we'll cook them under because we can know, we always know we can bring them back if they're under. You can't bring them back when they're over. Come on, use the technology that's out there right now, especially you high-end steak places. There is an expectation that you set with your pricing on the menu that if I order something at a specific temperature like medium or medium rare or, as they say now, medium rare plus to help, it's going to be cooked that way. I don't want to have to cook or order a medium rare steak and then get... Whatever isn't medium rare on the other side of that, which is raw. It's a bad look, and I hate cutting into that thing and seeing it all purple like he was talking about in that article. If I can cook a steak right to exact temperature and varying temperatures within my house, the place that I'm going dropping $135, 
better be able to cook that steak too, and they can't. Which is just another reason why I typically don't go out for steak anywhere. Andrew Bloom coming up out of the break from Wichita Packing. Let me talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. Three different grills to choose from here. All wood pellet fire, so you know you're going to love it. Convenience is great. Keep it out of the rain, and it's going to consistently produce some great barbecue, grilled foods, baked foods. However you want to use it, set the temperature, and away you go. 100% wood pellet fired. Jim Bowie is the biggest one. You can cook multiple racks of ribs, probably a couple different whole packers in there if you want, four, five, six different pork butts, depending on if you're going to pan them or not. Then you have the Daniel Boone. That's the midsize. A lot of people like that. Jim Bowie and the Daniel Boone also house the pizza oven insert for 130 150 bucks or whatever it is. You, This is mandatory purchase. If you get the Jim Bowie or the Daniel Boone, you have to get the pizza insert. You will thank me later. Easiest money you will ever spend. Pizza parties out the wazoo. Everybody making their own pie. All done in three to four minutes, depending on how you have that cooker set as to where it will be cooking at on the stone. And then if you're liking the tailgates or you want an extra one just to take around with you, maybe you're going to be hitting the softball fields this summer or you're camping or whatever, the Davy Crockett is just the one you want. You're not sacrificing a tremendous amount of capacity with the portability here. And if you don't have access to a plug, just plug in the 12-volt adapter and away you go right in your vehicle. It's great stuff. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. Longtime supporter of the show. Always appreciate them. And we will be back with a chat with Wichita Packing. Stick around. We'll be right back. The only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue. A man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue bible. Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, speaking of championship award-winning pitmasters, I know a lot of them are continuing to use the Smithfield products, whether it's baby back ribs, whether it's St. Louis-style ribs, or whole ribs. I like whole the whole rack of spare ribs, totally untrimmed. That's my favorite. Then you got the extra tenders, the black labels, the primes. Come on. So much to choose from. So price competitive. You can't beat it. Go to the website and keep up. Smokingwithsmithfield.com. That's smokingwithsmithfield.com. And if you're into the Instagrams and Facebooks and you're using the Smithfield products, getting great results, hashtag show us your Smithfield and you might get some free swag out of the whole deal. So check them out, smokingwithsmithfield.com. All right, my first guest in the second hour is the sales manager for one of the oldest meat distribution companies in Chicago. We talk about meat a lot on this show, but where is it coming from and who's distributing it? My next guest can help answer some of those questions. So let's go ahead and race to the Traeger Grills hotline and welcome first-timer to the show, Andrew Bloom from Wichita Packing. Andrew, how are you, buddy? Great, Greg. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure, and appreciate you making time for the show. I know we were corresponding uh, earlier this afternoon. You were saying you're uh, you're kind of an early riser with the day job, like 4 a.m., right? Yeah, we like to be. We start about 5, and uh, you know, I got to drive down to work. So got to get up, get ready. 5 o'clock, we open. We close at 2. All right. Well, I nice. appreciate you uh, stretching it out a little bit here for the show. So 
I guess if we could, a little quick background about you. Are you somebody that's always been in the food industry business? Is it an industry that you got into a little bit later in the career? What's the deal? Um, I was actually a futures trader for about 20 years and competed uh, KCBS on the weekends. And uh, when the market died, I made the transition over to barbecue. My friend Mark and his family own Wichita Packing. And uh, 16 years ago, I was the first employee that was not family. And now we have a, a sales force of five guys and 35 butchers, and we've expanded uh, six different production lines, and things have really, really done really well for us. Barbecue has been good to us. All right, so let's talk about Wichita Packing and its history. How did it start? And I guess perhaps more importantly, how do you guys evolve over that time of being in the market? Well, Wichita Packing started in 1964. We were the first company in the country to separate boars, sows, and butchers. We were the first person to implement the quarter pound increment that is now uh, industry standard for weight. So like when, when somebody says it's a two and down rib, that means two and two pounds and down. A lot of people think it's like inches or something other than that. So it's a weight grade. So every quarter of a pound is now an industry standard. So, you know, it goes from one pound all the way up to basically two and a half and then they go up or two and a quarter up, depending which company you're dealing with. But uh, ribs have evolved over the years by making, by becoming much larger. Originally ribs were, you know, that one and a half or so pound rib, you know, the most probably most sold standard rib was a one and three quarter up until probably five or six years ago. And as the smaller ribs have become less and less available, which makes them more expensive, people have moved up in size. So right now, probably the most sold rib is probably a two and a quarter or two and a half. It's just the way the industry has gone. Um, We have evolved by continually being on, uh, the leading front of evolution of the product. Uh, we have gone, we're the first people probably to, you know, implement, you know, dirt oxide products. We've, we've had Berkshire, we've had uh, Red Waddle, we've had Hampshire. We've constantly been searching for different and new uh, genetics, always evolving and changing our business model. Um, when I started 16 years ago, all we made was ribs. Now we have brisket, chicken. Uh, we have a full line of custom sausage production, as well as being a rep uh, and distribution for Tim McKeska out of Taylor, Texas. Yep. Uh, we have a full line of Snake River Farms brisket, all their parent company products, which are like the St. Helens and Double R Ranch, plus commodity brisket as well, For the depending on you know where people are in the price point are. We are a one-stop barbecue shop. When you talk about those heritage breed hogs, uh, you know we've seen quite, yeah. a, and you're a competitive barbecuer, so nobody has seen it grow like you have. And I think a lot of that higher-end beef uh Propaganda seems like a bad word, but interest perhaps is a, is a better descriptor. Is when that season of barbecue pitmasters was on, and they were following around Tuffy Stone and Myron Mixon and Harry Sue, and you saw that first Wagyu brisket on television, and it seemed to really spark an interest in what that was and why was he using that and what flavor profiles you're going to get with that versus the stuff everybody else had always been using. Have you seen uh, an interest or a growth pattern in the hog side of that with the Duroc or, or the heritage breed stuff as you had seen it with the beef or still, is there still some ramp to catch up on that? Um, you know, that's an interesting question. There have been spurts where I've seen like, I don't know if you go to Memphis in May, a couple of years back, there were a bunch of guys uh, who had the uh, Fatback Collective. They used the Mangalista hog, mm-hmm. which is, from Hungary, it's super woolly, has a high fat cap, real lot, lot of fat on. They won with that. Um, I competed with Berkshire, and, and most people didn't know what it was. They thought it was too fatty or too rich or too this, you know. So it's all throughout the years. People have come and gone, you know. A lot of guys are winning with Smithfield, which is just a commodity hog, 
that's, you know, got a little bit of saline in it and they win and win and win with it. You know, we, our, our ribs get, uh, get calls a lot. Ours is Duroc Sire, but it's not hundred percent pure. It's crossed with something, the hybrid, um, you know, um, let's see, there's a Swabian hogs out there, which tons of chefs are really loving, but competition guys haven't gotten their hands on yet. Um, so Duroc is, is probably the most prevalent because it's the most, uh, most available of the heritage hogs. They yield well, they're hardy, the, the piglets aren't as expensive as some of the others. So it's a real combination that has made it available to the rest. But as far as um, the evolution of, of the high end, it is not caught up to the snake river farms. No, I, I probably think that it's, it has room to go. Do you, and I, I don't want to go into a competition strain here, but since you uh, are a, a pit master of sorts, do you think that that is something that will evolve into, or do you still think that commodity pork will ultimately reign supreme in the pork area? You know, because Smithfield is doing very well with their line of pork products, of course. A lot of the, the top end cooks are using. Uh, some form or fashion of what they're using uh, versus not to say that uh, you know some of the other teams aren't doing well with uh, with a Duroc brand, but it seems by and large uh, commodity pork has still seemed to gain popularity. Uh, do you think in the next five years that might trend a different way? You were a futures trader, so would you be uh, risking money on that or no? Well, no, actually, I probably wouldn't because <laughs> of what happened. Right. I am not knocking competition barbecue. This is. A very no, competitive I sport, yeah. per se. But the things which are done to these uh, ribs and to butts, pretty much you got, these guys are, are, are exceptional chefs. And the guys who are winning would win with anything, truthfully. I don't think it has to do with the product. I think it has to do with they have got it down pat. They have a system that is working, hmm. and they're executing it to the T every time, day in and day out. And whether it be, you know, I mean, I don't want to say who it is, but I had a guy who was a customer before he went over to Smithfield. And he was doing the same thing with my product. So I don't think that it's pretty much that it is, that it's the product. I think it's the guy, just like the, the pit. You know, I've seen killer barbecue made out of crappy pits. I've seen great pits make out, make bad barbecue. It's the guy. It's not the machine. It's not the product. It's the guy who's doing it. Andrew Bloom joining me here on the show from Wichita Packing. Andrew, let's, discuss a little bit about how Wichita differentiates itself. I'm sure like any industry, there's a lot of other competition that you're having to deal with on a day-to-day basis to win market share. So how do you separate Wichita from some of those other competitors in the market? Well, you know, as, as a small, much smaller per se versus a, a Smithfield or an IBP or an Excel of those sorts or a Hormel, we're a small, you know, boutique butcher house. So, you know, we have 30 guys who are hand-trimming, hand-breeding, and hand-packing every rack one at a time. So if I have a customer who needs a specific weight range, width range, things of that nature, I can stop my line. I can program, you know, my guys into what they're supposed to be producing, and we'll whip that right out. It'll come out at the other end in 15 minutes, you know, versus one of these larger uh, packers who cannot do something like that. They're, they're all about getting a certain amount of animals processed in a certain amount of hours so that they can produce money. We obviously want to make money as well, but... Uh, we, uh, we have the ability to slow things down and produce what people are actually looking for rather than giving them, rather than taking what we can make. And that's, that's, that's a difference. Over the last seven years or maybe 10 years, have you seen an uptick in the request for the barbecued meats uh, or is like on a, I guess on a national scale or have you seen it increase locally or, or regionally? nationally barbecue is hot mm. people love it 
It's Americana. It tastes good. It's fun to make. It, there's, there's, it's just got, it's got everything going for it, truthfully. And of all the things that I've seen grow, most has been the St. Louis rib, <laughs> which was probably, you know, other than the deep South was probably, um, a 10% sale versus a back rib has probably come close to probably 60, 40 in favor of back rib, maybe almost 50, 50 ish. I mean, it's really come on and it's, and it's a great product. And the fact that the majority of Northern barbecue people weren't eating it was, was a mistake. And they, and I think they've seen it and it's, it's made the evolution to a national uh, trend. And I think St. Louis are a great product and, and it has cost, the only problem is it's cost the spirit become very expensive and people are not used to paying for it. And it's, it's kind of a weird, you know, kind of I don't know, the catch 22 type thing, you know, that now that everyone knows what it is, it kind of <laughs> ruins it. You know, it becomes the expensive cut. That's right. Supply, demand, all that good stuff. I was trolling through the website and I had noticed that you guys also sell beef ribs and I was kind of ready to ask a loaded question, which was what was the best seller? Now you shot that in the ass because you said it was the spare rib. I was thinking that beef, it seems that Texas or Central Texas style barbecue has just hit an all-time high in popularity. You're seeing it all over television. A lot of restaurants that are popping up across all areas of the country are claiming to be Texas style barbecue restaurants. So with that is coming A, brisket, and then B, beef ribs. So have you seen a a dramatic increase in requests for beef rib sales? Without a doubt. Uh, the 123A, uh, the plate beef rib is probably the most sought after or most, most requested. You get a few calls for the 130 chuck, but the 123A is what everyone's buying. Now, the issue, the reason why you haven't seen it grow like the spare rib or the St. Louis rib is because it is so expensive. Yeah. You're looking at a wholesale $6 a pound product. So, mm-hmm. so after you trim it out and you cook it, you probably are yielding maybe 50%. Now you're at 12% or $12 as your portion cost. It's very hard to keep a 30% food cost and then charge $36. Some people just don't dig it. You know, they kind of get offended by it. So it is, it is a harder product to sell because of its price point. But it is awesome. If I'm a restaurant here in Cleveland, I'm going to start the Barbecue Central restaurant. Do I just call Wichita Packing and say, hey, can you come and meet with me? I want to serve brisket. And, you know, I want to do the four or five hotbed barbecue items, and then you come in and we actually go over how thick I want my ribs to be or what weight and, and how the shape of my briskets I want to be. Like, how does that spec process work out from a business standpoint? Normally, I start with, you know, I qualify the, the, the sale. I ask questions about what he's looking to do, uh, what kind of price point he's trying to, stay, you know, trying to hit, things like that. Then I have an idea of what he's looking for. I amass some samples. I either FedEx it to him or if he's close enough, I take a quick ride out there. And then we do a cutting, make sure he likes what he's seeing. He gives me feedback. We go back and forth a couple of times. And next thing you know, he's got exactly what he's looking for. And then every time I put in, the, so now we have the Barbecue Central restaurant spec, I guess, for all those meats. Yep. And then I just say, okay, I want X amount of cases or, you know, 5 million pounds or however you, you order. And then you have, you can just go back into that database and pull out or produce what I yes, have specified. Yes. Once, once we've come up with your spec, whether it, whether it falls into the Wichita um, factory spec, or you have something that's a little bit different than normal. Uh, if you have your own, you will actually get your own code with your name on that box. And we put it slotted into the freezer, ready to go as you, as you need it. 
So is delivery done through a Wichita packing truck, or do you pull through like a U.S. Foods or a Cisco, or is there some kind, I don't know if they're like direct competition, or, or if that is a distribution channel, like how does that work? No, well, I'll tell you. Originally, when Wichita started, we did deliver our own products. As, as the evolution of, of the big, you know, U.S. food, Cisco houses, they are masters of, of the, the delivery and the logistics and things of that nature. So we have got, gotten, out of, gotten out of the delivery business, and the majority of our product is delivered from U.S. or Cisco, a PFG, a Reinhardt, you know, one of the major yep. distributors. And then we deal with a lot of small jobbers here in Chicago. And, and then we also do have some guys who want direct delivery. And if they have the facility, we can back a, tra- a semi-trailer up to them. But it's an LTL. It is not our truck. We rent it, basically. We rent space on the truck. It makes our delivery, and it moves on to the next stop. Is Tim McKeska still airplaning in your orders of sausage? That guy loves to fly. <laughs> it, it has happened, yes. For <laughs> an emergency, he has. Usually, he uses Southwest. I think there's like a shipping thing, and I need it out at the airport. But um, he has flown, yes. Tim is a great guy, and he will do anything to make sure his product is where it needs to be when it needs to be. What kind of a, for, I guess from a brand, maybe you can't answer this, but when you're selling his product, is it going mm-hmm. out as McKeska brand? Is it going out as, let's say, a private label, so a Barbecue Central show sausage? Is it a mixture of both? Well, it depends what you're buying. I know that Tim does make uh, co-packing or private labels for people. But no, we sell Tim McKeska as McKeska brand sausage. Um, you know, when pe- I want the allure of it being actual Hill Country Texas sausage. So, you know, I don't want to hide it under a Chicago name. Why would I do that? It sells itself. Once people taste it, it's so good, and they think about Texas, it just sells itself. Chicago does have a barbecue history to it, a, a certain way of doing it. Obviously, the aquarium smokers come to mind. A uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Italian beef, uh, I don't know if that necessarily qualifies as barbecue, but certainly that's something that sticks with Chicago. Also, rib tip sandwiches, of course. Who are some of the big barbecue clients in the Chicagoland area that you guys are supplying? Well, uh, we, have, we have sold Carson's ribs since the inception of that company. Wow. I think 25 or so, some odd years ago. Uh, we sell uh, Lems on the South Side, uh, Big Daddy. Um, Uncle John's. I mean, most of the big players in the South Side. We we produce their uh, the rib tips. Some of them preseason, so it's easy. They take them right out of their right out of their box, right into their pit. Um, we do some co-packing of sausages for other people. We you know make our own hot link, which is exceptional. And uh, we we were pretty ingrained in Chicago barbecue. We've been here since the beginning, truthfully, from '64 since you know the the inception of of the of the. Uh, back rib and then the St. Louis rib. We cut a great rib tip, which makes us really uh, desirable in Chicago. Um, so when you, if you look at your spare rib and you know that outer brisket bone, yep. some people will cut right into the white section. We cut on the inside into the red bone. So our first four bones on a St. Louis are red, which doesn't have that knuckle to eat, which makes it really, really uh, easy to eat. And two, gives us a huge tip, which has rib meat on it. And people really, really like it. It's a great product. Are you guys involved in rubs or, as I would call, like ancillary or accessory product line as well? Uh, no, we actually aren't, but we've talked about it. Um, normally, uh, people, meaning customers, have their rub delivered to us. It sits in our warehouse, and uh-huh. as they order, we then put the, the rub into a tumbler with the ribs, tumble, pre-spice their ribs, and give it a really good, even coat. 
box it, and make the delivery. So it's already rubbed up by the time they get it, so they can just toss it in the cooker. Yep, and, wow. and what happens is, is uh, when guys start to have more than one location, you know, the consistency issue becomes an issue. One guy might put more rub on one location than the other. This alleviates that problem. Everything is consistent. Have you noticed over the past three years or so that there is a, a real interest from the consuming public to know or the want to know everything that there is to know about the meat, how it was raised, fed, killed, processed, eventually how it gets into their hands? Is that something you're seeing from a, a consuming public standpoint? For sure. Um, in the past, there have been some questionable uh, farming types, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, and they did things that might not have been as humane. But uh, I think the goal was always to produce the best product. In today's standard, those, 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 those issues have been alleviated many, many years ago. Everything is humanely treated. All of our animals, we go out to the farms. Everyone is pretty much, you know, free, tie and tether free, no gestation crates. They're working off getting away from GMO-free seeds, all that kind of stuff. Everyone is evolving that way. It's just a natural evolution of the entire industry from commodity to the heritage breeds. No one wants to spend all that energy and produce something that's not good. You know, so the evolution is, is constantly might be a little slower in the commodity world because of the fact that people, you know, everybody wants perfect, you know, uh, all natural, uh, hormone-free, organic, so they have to pay for it. Yeah. That's where I run into it. You know, we carry those lines. They don't sell nearly as much as commodity, I promise yeah. you. Yeah. Everybody wants it until they got to pay for it. Everybody wants to buy American until they have to pay for it. Well, like, oh, shit. Well, I'm, <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I went an entire year only buying, only buying American products. You know how hard that was? Yeah, you probably had to get another job. Yeah, it was, it, it was very, well, not, not so much just the pay. We don't really produce as much as we used to. And it's really yeah. kind of, you know, is what it is. Andrew, you had said that you are uh, into that competitive cooking. So does Wichita do any type of sponsorship of barbecue events or contests around the area or, or nationally, I guess? We do. We do some, uh, we do some small local stuff. Uh, there is a pork in the park coming up. I think it's the 22nd of May here in Chicago over by the bean. We support mm -hmm. that. Um, we support a couple different teams who are customers that also like to compete. And we also support uh, 17th Street has something called Praise the Lard down in Southern Illinois, which is yep. a magnificent KCBS MBN dual competition. We support that. Um, you know, if we have a customer or there's a, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? If there is a, a need, whether it be for charity or anything, we're, we're, we're part of the community. We, of course, support everything. Uh, we've made a couple donations to OBR in the past. And we just like to be, you know, it's all family. And, and that's the best part about barbecue is there is room for everyone. No matter what level you're at, people are very inclusive rather than, um, rather than competitive to a point, And they're willing to help just about anyone. It's really, it's, it's a really good thing to be involved with. I really enjoy it. A lot of my listening audience is, I guess, what you would consider to be an end user. So at this point, I yes. would assume Wichita packing is... You know, through uh, through business dealings, you can't from an end user come or contact you and say, "Hey, I want to buy five, six, ten racks of ribs or a couple cases." Uh, is that something that you might be looking into from a consumer side down the road, or will it always be uh, more of a business to business transaction? No, we're actually working on an e-commerce site, and we're actually actually working on a competition box where you would have pre-trimmed brisket, uh, pre-trimmed butts, 
your ribs would be all pre-trimmed and you were your and we would have uh, thighs you know all trimmed out all in a box you purchase the box and it would be uh mailed to you and you just open your box and compete really yes we we've had a couple pit masters come in uh we've already done the trim on our our butts brisket we're just working on the, the truly the biggest issue is the shipping it is so expensive Oof. we cannot find something that gives it the you know i just i don't know i don't know what to tell you it's it's really expensive i tell you I don't know how Snake River Front does it. The shipping we keep finding is somewhere around $150. You know, it's, it's kind of expensive. Well, I have to imagine, and I'm not a competitor, by the way, but I've seen these mm-hmm. guys trim out just the chicken thighs alone. Like, are you actually uh, cutting the knuckle off, squaring it up, pulling the skin back, and then taking the fat from underneath the skin and then reapplying the skin and all that? Like, are you going into that depth? No, we were... That and that was one of the issues as well. <laughs> and we're working with a couple of guys now, a couple of the teams. Yeah, we can do everything. The skin is the problem. Yeah. So the skin would probably have to be scraped yourself, but the thigh would be trimmed. It would be ready to be squared off. It'd be nice and ready to go. You're just going to have to do that. I just don't have time. The labor, you know, we're union labor. Right. It is so expensive to trim that skin. Well, that's going to be uh, interesting. I'll be anxious to see how that kind of plays out, and uh, especially on the on the consumer or e-commerce website as well. We're talking with Andrew Bloom from Wichita Packing. Andrew, really appreciate you joining me tonight and kind of letting us in on the whole history of Wichita and what you guys are up to these days, and hopefully we can catch up again soon. Thank you so much for having us. You got it. There he is. Andrew Bloom from Wichita Packing. All Man, guests appear via the Trader Grills hotline. That's the way to do it, Andrew. Way to come in there and knock it out of the park. Talk about what you guys are up to right now and the history, of course. Did he say that they were the first they they were the creators of the quarter pound measurement? Wow. And I am surprised that the beef rib isn't the number one selling, but I guess after his explanation, it kind of makes sense. It is expensive. Hey, Cook Shack manufactures smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience, whether you barbecue in the backyard, on the competition circuit, or in a five-star dining facility. Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job, and with a full line of barbecues, sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoke and grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion, somebody that Meathead and I referenced in the first hour, Ed Fast Eddie Morin. The FEC 100 and PG 1000 always customer favorites. The PG 1000 doubles as a smoker and grill, low and slow or hot and fast. This pellet grill gives you the most for your money. Now, Maybe you don't like the idea of pellet cookers. Okay. Cook Shack Residential Electric Smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion, dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698 or visit the website cookshack.com. All right, we are open for the rest of the show. So if you want to jump in, you can probably pull up a game or two or ask you some questions about the previous guests that I had, and you can get your hands on a 
Jess Pryle's book or a Bill Gillespie new book, The Secrets to Great Charcoal Grilling on the Weber. Or you can let me know what's happening in your world. Have a hot take on a barbecue and grilling topic? Shoot it up. 216-220-0966 is the phone number. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com, your email address. Hit me up. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. Be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Hey, welcome back. This portion of the show brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both and constantly learning new skills. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232. Ted Conrad and the gang out there at Fireboard. I believe we have them set up for a June return, if I am not mistaken. 216-220-0966 is your phone number if you want to jump in and try and win a game, get you some free bookage. Again, we have uh, Bill Gillespie's book, brand new book, The Secrets to Great Charcoal Grilling on the Weber by Bill Gillespie. And then we also have the Hardcore Carnivore Cook Meat Like You Mean It by Jess Pryles. And if you win those books, of course, and at your request, I will humbly put my autograph on the inside of somebody else's book because that is great. <laughs> Who likes chicken wings? I know I do. Maybe you didn't see this story, though. According to the NewYorkDailyNews.com, gold-dusted chicken wings are coming to these New York eateries. That's right. I said gold-dusted chicken wings. Uh Never mind the goose that laid the golden egg. Meet the chicken with the golden wings. Food God 24-carat wings coated with precious metal debuted this past Tuesday at two Manhattan locations of the Ainsworth. The deluxe dish is the result of a collaboration between Ainsworth and Jonathan Cheban, who has appeared on Keeping Up with the Kardashians and now calls himself Food God. There's not a better name you could have chose? All right. The prized poultry pieces are first soaked in a mixture of coconut butter, gold butter, chipotle, and honey batter for 24 hours. Then, Real gold flakes are sprinkled on top of the wings before they're served with a side of gourmet dipping bleu cheese. Orders come 10 wings for 30, 
20 wings for 60 at the Ainsworth East Village and the Ainsworth Chelsea at 120 at 122 West 26th Street. Show-offs have the option of splurging for 50 wings plus a bottle of champagne for a whopping $1,000. Wow. Cheban has a food god grub site and regularly shares photos of the over-the-top eats on Instagrams. Everything from cotton candy burrito to a chicken buried in a mountain of salt. The Ainsworth, with four locations total in Manhattan plus two in New Jersey, and outposts in Kansas City and Nashville, plans to launch the wings in its other locations at a later time. The eateries, which combine a restaurant, bar, lounge, and event space, offer American fare and handcrafted cocktails. If the 24-carat wings... If the 24-carat wings haven't reached your local Ainsworth yet, try other menu hits like the mac and cheese burger, which is panko-crusted mac and cheese, patties, beef patties, mac and cheese, sesame buns. Did I read that right? Panko-crusted mac and cheese patties. Okay. Beef patty, then regular mac and cheese and a sesame. Whoa. What? Look out. Look out. Or the coffee-rubbed fish tacos that have pineapple, pico, de gallo, avocado, puree, and corn tortilla. Hmm. You lost me at coffee-rubbed. Gross. You know, I was just talking about this at dinner because, oh, by the way, my oldest daughter, Bobby Rempe, no names please, national volleyball player, uh, 17th birthday today. Shout out to Bobby. Happy 17th birthday, kiddo. But we were just talking about this at dinner this evening. Where did I go, you say? I went to the B Spot, which is Michael Simon's Burger Restaurant here on the east side of Cleveland. Still from a burger perspective, I'll get to my point here in a second, but I'm just taking left turns like crazy. In, from my perspective, Hands down in Cleveland, the best burgers are getting turned out at the B-Spot consistently. I mean, they are so good, so juicy, so flavorful. You could get a plain-ass burger, for me, cooked medium, so juicy, a little bit of pink on the inside. The flavor is outstanding. Then I get the Lola burger, which has pickled onions on top. It also has cheese and bacon and then a fried egg. So, yes, although... Chad Ward and I from Whiskey Bent Barbecue, and who's also the world marketing leader of Traeger Grills, predicted the end of yoke porn the end of last year. It still continues to find its way into Instagram posts here and there a lot less than it did a year and a half ago, but it still shows up every once in a while. But the Lola Burger has an egg on top, a sunny side up egg. So as soon as you put the top of that bun down on top, it yoke porns all over the place. But it adds such a depth of flavor and a richness, an eggy, buttery richness that yolk does to the meat. And the meat is like short rib brisket and uh, 80-20 chuck or something like that. It's a tri-blend, if you will. So good. Ugh. If you are in the Cleveland area, by the way, if you know Sterling Smith from Luton Booty, I took him to the B-spot in Strongsville, which is uh, southwest of Cleveland, when he was in last summer visiting. And he can vouch. I mean, it is some of the best burgerage available anywhere. 
So if you get into Cleveland, hit me up. I'll take you out to the B spot. It's going to be great. And uh, I got double Lola Burger this time. So two patties this time around. Usually it's just the singular. So that's my unsolicited plug for the B spot. By the way, uh, Michael Simon, I'm doing a commercial for your restaurant, the B spot. Also, big fan of Lola and Mabel's Barbecue. Yet you refuse to come on my show and talk about your new book. I'm just trying to give you a promotion. You won't even tweet me back anymore. Tweet at me. I'm Cleveland guy. You're a Cleveland guy. I know you're busier than me, but I'm pretty busy. I can make time. I can have you on and talk about your new barbecue book. We can do this. Let's not be new to this. Let's do this. So at dinner, we were talking about great things you've had or things that you didn't know were going to be good, but you try anyway. Because, you know, with my youngest daughter, it's always a fight with her to trying to get something new. You go out to a restaurant with her and it's chicken nuggets and fries, please. (laughs) Yes, prime steakhouse or pizza joint. I'll take the chicken nuggets and fries. (laughs) Double the order, please. Coke on the rocks. And I said to uh, Bobby's boyfriend, Michael Galliotto, shout out to Michael Galliotto, and the other Galliottos in the audience, Teresa, Tony, Tony, Dominic. By the way, Dominic, you're getting your triple extra large shirt from Michael at some point if you didn't get it already. So wear it with pride. And I said, the worst steak I ever had, and this was from a restaurant which I absolutely love on East 4th Street called Pickwick and Frolic, which is a great bar, restaurant, comedy club, martini bar. What do you call the, they're not, it's not a strip bar, but what the hell do you call a cabaret bar? All in one, it's quite the event. But they have a great restaurant in there, all wood-fired cooked, even the pizza oven. And I made the mistake of getting the coffee rubbed steak. The steak was cooked tremendously. The coffee rub killed it. God, I was pissed. Plus, I think it was my birthday. So I was really hoping for something like out of this world. And it literally tasted like somebody brewed a pot of coffee and took the grounds out and rubbed them into my steak. It was horrific. I ate like three bites and that was it. I couldn't be featured. Now, it wasn't bad. Like, I couldn't not pay for it. It was fine because that's what I asked for. But holy moly, it was some bad stuff. But I will risk. I will try some cool stuff. But I got to tell you, as I get back to the original point at hand, the coffee-rubbed fish tacos... Anything coffee rubbed for me anymore, totally ruined. Now, the mac and cheese burger, uh, yeah, I'll try that. You better believe it. Panko-crusted mac and cheese patties. There's a mac and cheese patty and a beef patty and then mac and cheese on top of Oh, what? I know there's a lot of you in the audience right now that are trying to make their way to the Ainsworth any of their locations, plus the two outposts in Kansas City and Nashville. I wish I would have known about this a year ago because I would be heading to Kansas City for a volleyball tournament where instead of going to whatever, not the not Anton's, that was the, a great steak, one of the greatest steak experiences of my life. 
but the other one, Cook 437 or Steak 347 or whatever it was, I would have gone to the Ainsworth and had the mac and cheeseburger without a doubt. But I guess a year too late. So anyway, if you're in New York, let me see if I can do this real quick because I know you're wondering what this looks like. This is what the gold wings look like. Let me ditch this. I don't even know if that looks appetizing. If you're listening on the podcast, I apologize. Go to about an hour and 50 minutes in on the video side and you'll see the gold-plated wings or the gold-dusted wings. I I don't know. You know, the one th- if they diverge from the recipe, you know, I get it, that's fine. It's a marketing you get $30 for chicken wings and you're dusting them with gold flake. I mean, I don't get all jazzed up about eating anything gold. I wasn't a, a that alcoholic in college that got all crazy when people started busting out the gold schlager to do shots of that. I was a little bit more of a, a, of a fire and ice guy myself. That's kind of gross. But that doesn't look that great. The gold dusting. I mean, it looks like it might cause internal issues for me later on, if you know what I mean. Now, maybe it doesn't. There's no report of anybody having explosive diarrhea or anything like that. I mean, give me a break. It doesn't look that great. It looks like it might be hard to chew. I get it. The one thing that they did get right, and I have to say, is being a buffalo wing purist or a chicken wing purist, and to me, that is only buffalo sauce. And when I say buffalo sauce... I mean, Anchor Bar Buffalo New York sauce, which I do have the original recipe under lock and key. No names, please. To me, that is the quintessential chicken wing. Deep fried, so it's crispy on the outside, still moist and succulent on the inside, and then rolled in that Anchor Bar sauce. (laughs) Nothing better than that. It has to be. Has to be. Served with a side of blue freaking cheese. Do not, do not put ranch sauce. Andrew, you are not. Don't do it. Poor kid. Don't put ranch sauce on wings, even if you love ranch sauce. I mean, I know people that put ranch sauce on mac and cheese, ranch sauce on pizza, ranch sauce on hamburgers. Put ranch sauce on everything else, cupcakes. Wieners, you name it. Leave the ranch sauce off of the chicken wing, the buffalo wing. That is reserved only for blue cheese. Just like all proper martinis are made with gin, not vodka. That's a vodka drink. Martini is gin and dry vermouth just a little bit. And when I was drinking them, uh, three big olives because I love gin and olives which I believe really meant I only really loved gin. But they were nice to eat. It was a nice little snack while I was drinking. Again, my preference. So if we're eating and drinking together, my martinis, your martinis will always be gin, and we will call them martinis. Not gin martinis, just martinis, because they'll be made with gin. And we'll be eating buffalo Wings, deep fried, or as I make them uh, at home on the Green Mountain Grills, and I'm going to be trying them on the Traeger this weekend, smoke roasted chicken wings with the Anchor Bar sauce and blue cheese. I like the Ken Hess blue cheese. Is it Ken Hess? Ken Hess's Steakhouse? 
Am I saying that right? Is it Ken Hess? Whatever. That fancy bottle. I'll do a Newman's blue cheese as well. I like fancy blue cheese with the uh, wings. It's good. All right, let me talk to you quickly about the longest-running sponsor of the show, the Barbecue Guru. They believe that outdoor cooking should be easy, and it can be with the Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill. Don't forget, get the rib ring, too. Monolith is the world's first temperature-controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan. This means smarter control and greater freedom with automatic temperature controls. Easily choose your cooking time and temperature and let the Monolith do the work of the sous chef or a barbecue pit master. With minimal effort, you now have oven-like precision at the grill, and you can serve the tastiest, juiciest meals each and every time. Go to bbqguru.com. That's bbqguru.com. We're back to wrap it up after this. Stick around. Be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today. Craig Rimpy. Hey, let's talk about the newest sponsor of the show, the National Barbecue News. That's right. Dedicated to all things barbecue. The goal is to introduce new people to the barbecue world while keeping the barbecue enthusiast professional informed on all current happenings in and around the barbecue nation. They obtain this goal by offering timely news stories, new product reviews, barbecue event calendars, and unique recipes inside their printed products, websites, social media pages, and email newsletters. Subscribe right this very instant by going to Barbecue News. That's B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E. They do it right. BarbecueNews.com. That's BarbecueNews.com. Shout out to Kale Phelps and everybody over at the Barbecue News. Happy to have them aboard. All right, so let's go ahead and get ready to wrap up all the way back in the first hour. We talked with Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Did the dry aging, the wet aging. Talked a little bit about fish. Uh, I gave a revelation that, hey, I don't really like fish. He gave a revelation that, hey, he doesn't really know everything about barbecue. And then gave a shout-out to our main man, Sterling Ball. Kinger, Cal Phelps runs National Barbecue News. Cal Phelps. Then in the second hour, we talked with Andrew Bloom from Wichita Packing. I believe that website, wichitapacking.com, so check that out. Right now, it is business to business, so if you are in the business of barbecue and you want to look to increase the spec or get competitive quote or have access to all the barbecue meats and good stuff, wichitapacking.com or uh, try and hook up with Andrew Bloom himself. Then we closed it out with gold-dusted chicken wings in New York City. Yeah, yeah. All right, big show planned for you next week already. Third Tuesday of the month. You know that's going to bring Stephen Reichlin, amongst others. Update with the State Cook-Off Association. Other guests as well. So, September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. <laughs>